Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I'm your host, Erin Austin. My goal with every episode is to share information and resources to help you achieve the next level of growth in your expertise-based business. We all know generating income from our expertise is pretty easy. The challenge is in scaling and building a business that can run without you. Join me here every week to make sure you are building an asset that can be used to fund your goals and your legacy. Before we get started though, one little disclaimer, because I'm a lawyer. The information I share on the podcast is general in nature and is provided for information purposes only. It is not to be relied upon nor construed as providing legal advice or legal opinions about any specific issue or set of facts. Now, here we go. Hello, ladies. Welcome to this week's episode of Hourly to Exit. This week, I am re-recording a LinkedIn Live webinar that I did at the end of August. I do LinkedIn Lives the last Wednesday of every month at 12 noon. And this month, well, last month in August, I talked about how to copyright your expertise. And it was a little bit chaotic. The setup was StreamYard where I can't see people and they're entering questions in the comment bar. And so I'm looking over there, I'm stopping, I'm going. But this topic, I've had so many questions about it. I wanted to make sure that the recording would be something that would be really helpful to you. So I am re-recording it. This will be available for those of you who are listening and not watching. You can see the slides that went with the LinkedIn Live and that I'm going through today on my YouTube channel, but you should be able to follow along on audio as well. So today we're going to talk about how to copyright your expertise and stop competitors and former clients from stealing your stuff. Now, what did become clear from the questions I did get during LinkedIn Live, which is always very helpful, is that this will have to be a multi-part topic. And so this will probably be certainly one of two, maybe even one of three. So very briefly, we will talk about copyright law. And of course, I only talk about U.S. copyright law. So this applies to intellectual property laws in the United States. Copyrights are those bundle of rights that protect the expression of an original idea. They're called works of authorship. And there are a number of requirements for something to be considered copyrightable. And the bulk of today's conversation will be what is copyrightable? There are a couple other stages to registering a copyright, and those will be on later videos. But just briefly, we'll talk about copyrights, the bundle of rights that you have as a copyright owner. When you own a copyright, you have an exclusive bundle of rights in that work. And the work means the material that is copyrightable. So that would be the book, that would be the song, that would be the movie, that would be the photograph, that would be the course or the video. That is what I will be referring to as the work throughout our conversation today. So when you're the owner of copyright, you have the exclusive right to reproduce it, to distribute copies of it, to make it public, either through performance or displaying it or transmission. 
and the right to create derivative works, such as turning a book into a movie or turning lyrics into a song or creating a discussion guide, even depending on the nature of how much is borrowed, certainly creating a summary, like a Cliff Notes version of a work would be considered derivative. Fan fiction is considered derivative. So those are things where the copyright owner has exclusive right to either do those things or to grant someone else a license to do those things. So you can't do, if you're not the copyright owner, you can't do any of those things without permission of the copyright owner. When you are the copyright owner, meaning you are the author, let's say you are the author, you create a work. When is that work protected? Under U.S. copyright law, it is protected at the moment of creation without any additional formalities. So when I take a piece of paper and scratch on it with my pencil and write an essay, it is protected at the moment that I write it down. If I sit in my computer on this fine Labor Day, and I record a podcast episode. As soon as I record it, as soon as I put something in tangible form, in writing, in recording, the copyright protection attaches to it. When I take a photograph, when I take a chisel to stone, as soon as I am creating that work, the copyright protection attaches to it. So the third question here, do you have to register a copyright for it to be protected? Well, of course you do not because it attaches automatically at the time of creation. Well, today's conversation is about how to register copyright. So why do we need to register it if protection is automatic? And so there are four key reasons, four key benefits. There are some additional ones. This isn't an exhaustive list, but the four main reasons we want to register our copyright is one, it enables you to file a lawsuit to enforce the copyright in federal court. So if someone is infringing your copyright and they don't very kindly stop infringing it and you need to sue them to enforce your rights, you can only do that if your copyright has been registered. Second, it is evidence that your copyright is valid. As I mentioned in the beginning, not everything we create is copyrightable. So some things aren't eligible for copyright protection. But if you have a registered copyright, then that is evidence that it is copyrightable and that you have a validly registered copyright ownership in that work. Three, it enables you to claim statutory damages and attorney's fees. I mean, the reason people don't sue people a lot of times is the risk of one, you know, attorney's fees can be greater than the recovery, depending on the nature of the damages, and it is a major deterrent. But if you have a registered copyright and there are some time limits in there, you need to get it registered before too long, then you are eligible for statutory damages, meaning you can just say, they sold my book, they created 100 copies of it without my permission, and then you just do the math. And the statute will tell you exactly what you get for someone stealing your book and making 100 copies of it. You don't have to prove, but for their stealing it, I would have made this and therefore those are my damages. You don't have to do that. You just get statutory damages based on every single infringement. And then fourth, it puts others on notice that your work is protected by copyright and that you are the owner. And so, yes, you should be putting the C in a circle with the year of creation and the owner on everything, you know, your websites and this presentation here. 
But if someone wanted to find you, the owner of it, registration creates a chain of ownership. So for instance, like if you're looking at this on YouTube and you see my slides, you can see the bottom of it. You can see that I have copyright 2023, Aaron Austin Law PLLC. And since it hasn't changed hands, that tells you who the owner is. But let's say I sell my business and then they still, you find the slide on my LinkedIn and you think it's brilliant and you want to license it, but you don't know who owns it because you can't find Aaron Austin Law PLLC because in the Riviera somewhere. But what you would find in the copyright office, you would see the transfer of ownership of the copyrights that I own to the person who bought it. And so now you would know who to go to, who currently owns that material. So it creates that chain of ownership, the documents, the chain of ownership. So how to register a copyright? So as I mentioned, first step is making sure the work is copyrightable. And the bulk of this episode will be on this first piece. What is copyrightable? What works are copyrightable? That's the first step. If you have a copyrightable work, then you create, you complete your copyright registration application. Applications can be filled online, completely online, including all portions of it, entering the information, submitting payment, and submitting the copy of the copyrighted material. All can be done online, or you can do it on paper if you choose. So that is the registration application. And then the third is filing a copy of the copyrighted material. That can be a separate step because it may be something that is physically, like maybe it's a book and you just send in the book to the copyright office rather than submitting it digitally. So here I have just a couple of screenshots that talk about the online registration process. I'm not going to go into this. I will do another video where I go through an online registration of a work. So this is just the electronic copyright office. That's where you go to create an account and do the whole process for the application. And then I also have a screenshot of where you can get the form. So if you want to do it by paper, you can still print out a form and complete it and send it in by mail and send in a check if you want to pay that way. But here it shows more clearly that there are different types of categories of works, whether it's literary or visual or performing arts or sound. We're going to go into all of that because there is a different form for each of those. So you would need to know which one you're applying for. Oh, I just have this, that one of the fun facts, I'll call it a fun fact, is when you've registered something with the Copyright Office, those works are added to the Library of Congress, which is cool to like be kind of immortalized and made immortal by registering your work in the Library of Congress. I think that's a reason in and of itself to register your work. So is your work copyrightable? Copyrightable works come in a, I should know this, nine categories here. And I will just quickly read through them and give you some examples. Now, literary work. So that's just anything by text. So that would be whether it's fiction, like Gone with the Wind, or nonfiction, which would be an article that you submit to the newspaper. So literary works would be the first one. Musical compositions. Here, we're not talking about the sound. We're talking about the lyrics and the notes when you write music. That's category. Dramatic works. Those would be 
plays, the script for a play, dramatic works, pantomimes or choreographic works. So the choreography, when it's written down, it is a copyrightable work. Pictorial, graphic, and sculptural work. So these are art typically, but it doesn't have to be graphic. You know, I'm the queen of graphics. So if it's sufficiently original, if it meets the other elements we'll talk about later of originality and sufficiently creative, then graphs, pictures, of course, painting, sculptures would fall into that category. Audiovisual work, that would be your videos and your motion pictures, audiovisual work. Sound recording. So as opposed to musical composition, sound recording is when you sing the song, record the music, the recording, that's a separate category of copyrightable work. Architectural works, the blueprints for a building are considered, you know, assuming it again meets the standards of originality and et cetera, are copyrightable. And source code for computer softwares. It's considered a literary work, but they have a separate process for that. So it's listed separately here. So those are what copyrightable works. So it must start as a threshold matter. It has to be one of these copyrightable works categories. Let's say we think it's all of those. Here's a list of things that it cannot be. The following are works that are not copyrightable and you cannot get copyright protection for them. First, the big one, if you've read my newsletters lately, you know that ideas, ideas, concepts, processes, they are not considered copyrightable because they aren't sufficiently developed to be considered creative and an expression of creativity. So those may be protectable under other forms of intellectual property, but not under copyright. Titles, names, so the title of a book, the name of your business, logos, short phrases, and slogans, they're not considered sufficiently creative because there's just not enough substance to them for copyright protection. They may be protectable under other forms of intellectual property like trademarks, but not under copyright. The third one, if you have something that's based on a copyrighted work and you don't have authorization of the owner of that work, then you can't copyright whatever, even if it's something original. So let's say fan fiction is a good one that people will want to do a sequel to something. People have written sequels to Gone with the Wind. I think Gone with the Wind may be in public domain. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But if it's something that's still under copyright, I think someone did one of Harry Potter and they have a whole new story. So it's like a whole new story, but they're using the characters and those are under copyright protection still. So no matter how creative it is, you can't get copyright protection of that derivative without permission from the underlying copyright owner. And I also would note that let's say, get out of the fiction territory, we're here because we're business people. Let's say something that was created at a former employer and that employer owns it. You go out on your own and you use materials that you got from your employer and you build on it to create something and you want to own that. If you don't have permission from your employer for that, then you may be out of luck there, which is why I like to talk about making sure we have due diligence on materials. If something is a useful object like clothing or tools, things that have utilitarian function are not copyrightable, maybe protectable under patents, maybe not, but they're not protected under copyright law. Things that are in the public domain, I mentioned that 
briefly in connection with Gone with the Wind, there is a date. There's various ways things can fall in the public domain, but this passage of time is one. Based on this recording in September of 2023, there is a date by which everything that was published before that is automatically in public domain. I'll have to think I have that in a LinkedIn post. If not, anyone wants to know, just ask me and I'll let you know. Things that are common geometric shapes and familiar designs. So a smiley face or a stop sign or these things like that aren't copyrightable. And something that's entirely composed of commonly known facts, information like the weather report, that water boils at 100 degrees, I hope that's right, 100 degrees Celsius. You can't copyright something based on facts. So, and it must be fixed in a tangible medium of expression. That's why ideas, you can have the most brilliant idea in the world, but until you write it down, record it, carve it, sketch it, do something and turn that idea into something tangible. And by that, it could be digital. It doesn't have to be something you literally hold in your hand, but it's something that somebody else can read it and perceive it. So it can't just be in your brain. When you put your ideas into a tangible form of expression, then that becomes copyrightable. So it has to be written, recorded, painted, sketched, carved, captured electronically. These are examples of tangible forms of expression. So further to the tangible forms of expression, these are things where you may have expressed yourself, but it's not in tangible form and therefore not copyrightable. So an improvised speech or an improvised performance, if you didn't write it down ahead of time, and you didn't record it, doesn't matter how brilliant it is, you can recreate it, but that improvised performance in and of itself would not be copyrightable. Ordinary conversation, again, can be very creative, original, but it hasn't been written down ahead of time, it hasn't been recorded, it has not been put in a tangible medium of expression, therefore it is not copyrightable. Similarly, with choreographic works, someone bust a move on the dance floor and it hasn't been notated or recorded, no matter how brilliant, not copyrightable. And then any of those above, if they're recorded without the author's permission, the dancer does their thing and you happen to be there and you record it, you don't get to own that because you recorded the copyright, the dancer dancing, unless you had permission from the author, which would be the dancer in my example. If they said, record this for me. Well, the dancer owns that. You don't own that. All right. Then it must be created by a human. And no doubt we've heard a lot about what does that mean in a world of AI? And again, at the time of this recording, there was a very recent case, which will be appealed about whether or not something that was 100% AI generated is copyrightable. The copyright office said it is not. There is still the gray area of something that starts as AI, but then there's the human element that goes on top of it. Like, let's say they do an outline, but then you write the creative part of it. I have had a brief conversation with the copyright office about that. And of course, their answer was, well, it depends because they will look at it. And you have to be honest when you file an application to say, what did you write? Is it all original or is it based on something else? And you should disclose that it was AI generated material. And then they will determine how much human intervention was there to create this and make a determination about whether or not it's copyrightable. So AI-generated material may not be copyrightable, or it might be in part. 
natural object or phenomena. So have we seen a leaf that is absolutely gorgeous or a snowflake magnified? But if there's actually no human intervention, there's no human creativity, that wouldn't be copyrightable. doesn't mean it wouldn't be valuable to create posters from it and sell it and people wouldn't buy it, but it wouldn't be copyrightable. Seen driftwood or a beautiful stone that looks like art, but it was just created by nature, valuable, but not copyrightable. And then things that are created just by random or automatic processes. For instance, music by a wind chime, like that's not a human making that music. Even though the human created the wind chime, they didn't create the music, just the wind did. So that would not be copyrightable. And then the work must be original and contain a sufficient amount of creativity. Now, creativity is a fairly low bar, but it does need to have some. So it doesn't mean it has to be brilliant. I use the example of brilliant. It doesn't have to be brilliant. We all know there's an awful lot of non-brilliant materials that are created that are copyrightable. So the bar for creativity is low, but it's not zero. And so these are going to be some things where the bar has not been met. So one is when no creativity was involved in composing like the footage or photograph. So you have a dash cam that happens to record some extraordinary event. What was the human creativity involved in your dash cam recording? Same with your ring camera. Where was the human creativity? Bar is low, but it's not zero. And when there's only a few ways to express an idea, that's why generally recipes are not copyrightable because there's only so many ways to write out the recipe for a chocolate chip cookie or even something that's super creative. There's only so many ways to get from A to Z. A recipe looks an awful lot like machine process as opposed to an expression of creativity when there's only one way to sear a steak or one way to get your egg whites to fluff, point to peak. So these are the common plot points when you decide on a certain concept. So for example, a vampire book. You can write your vampire book, but you can't say, oh, they stole the fact that he's he only comes out at night and they stole the casket and they stole the garlic and they stole the immortality or live forever. So not immortal because you can kill them, but living forever unless one of these interventions happens. Those are sends up there and those aren't copyrightable. Those elements of your novel will not be copyrightable and anyone can use them. They don't pass the test of creativity because they're just kind of passed into common expressions. In sum, copyrightability of a work must be evaluated individually. As with most things, there are always exceptions to the rule. There can be a stop sign that is so creative, right, that it becomes copyrightable. Andy Warhol became famous for creating works of art around common household items. Something like a clothing is not copyrightable, but the patterns it's on of the material used to create the clothing can be copyrightable. And so there are always ways to add that element of creativity and human intervention Let's say that dash cam and you edit it in a way that adds that element of human creativity, the human intervention piece. Also, there are some general rules, of course. There's always going to be a general rule, but then the details, the information's in the details. And that really will be why we need to look closely at things to determine their copyrightability. So 
If you have any questions about whether or not your work or your expertise is copyrightable, I have some answers for you. So you can always contact me. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me, of course, on Think Beyond IP. And then I do have some new offers regarding copyrightability and copyright registration. So feel free to reach out if you have questions. Thanks so much, guys. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Do not forget to check out the show notes for links to connect with today's guest and for the resources, offers, and organizations that we discussed. You can also find the links at hourlytoexit.com backslash podcast. If you got value from this episode, please subscribe. And I'd be so grateful for a review. I'm here to support your journey.